report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. We are following several breaking stories at noon today. We'll begin with this. Sandra Day O'Connor has died at her home in Phoenix. Back in 1981, President Reagan nominated her to be the first woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. She talked about that after her retirement in 2006. It's thrilling in a way to be the first to do something, the first woman to ever serve on the court, but it's dreadful if you're the last. And if I didn't do the job well, that's what would happen. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley says O'Connor was the ultimate swing vote. Covering the court meant debating where Sandra Day O'Connor was on the death penalty, abortion, etc. And she was a voice of moderation. Sandra Day O'Connor dead at 93, cause of death related to complications from advanced dementia. The other big story today takes us to Capitol Hill. It was the last day at the office for New York Congressman George George Santos, who was expelled due to public corruption. The heave-ho, historic indeed. Santos, just the sixth House member in the history of the country to be kicked out. Before that vote, the embattled Republican called the expulsion effort a smear campaign. No decent cop would bring this to a prosecutor or a DA and say, here's our report, go ahead and charge him. Santos is the first House member since the Civil War to be expelled without being convicted of a crime, New York Democrat Dan Goldman. This is not a court of law. George Santos's liberty is not at stake. And the concept of being innocent until proven guilty does not exist in the Congress of the United States. It'll be up to New York's governor now to call a special election to fill Santos' seat now that he is officially kicked out of Congress. The truce is over in the Holy Land as black smoke rises in the sky above Gaza. Correspondent Greg Palcott. Yeah, folks, after a week's pause, the fighting is on. The war between Israel and Hamas is raging again. Israeli fighter jets attacked Hamas targets after Hamas rockets were fired at Israel. The BBC's Ann Foster says Hamas broke the peace when it launched those rockets at the Jewish state overnight. Hamas violated the ceasefire in Gaza and we find ourselves back in a position that we were eight days ago with this, this ground operation back in force. The Israeli military dropped leaflets today on southern Gaza warning civilians to get out. On loudspeakers they blared messages telling the Palestinians, the war is back on. More than 100 hostages were released during the week-long ceasefire. 160 others remain in captivity inside Gaza. They were seized by Hamas when this war started October 7th. The New York Times reports that Israeli intelligence knew about the Hamas battle plan more than a year ago. This was more an intelligence failure when it came to imagination, frankly. The Israelis didn't believe that Hamas would pull off something so spectacular. Newell saw is a senior fellow at the Middle East Institute. On October 7th, 1,600 Hamas commandos crossed the border into Israel in 60 different places in a military operation that was codenamed Jericho Wall. Sparks flew in Georgia last night at the great debate, the red state versus blue state debate. This is a slick, slippery politician yeah. whose state is failing. I think it's an interesting campaign strategy for Ron DeSantis to be bashing a state 
to 40 million Americans. Two of the most influential governors in America, Florida's Ron DeSantis and California's Gavin Newsom, locked horns on Fox News. What California represents is the Biden-Harris agenda on steroids. They would love nothing more than to get four more years to be able to take the California model nationally. That would be disastrous. I will take Joe Biden versus Ron DeSantis any day of the week. That's why I'm going to be working so hard to get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris reelected in 2024. Newsom says he has no plans to run for president in 2024. And the only thing he and DeSantis have in common is that neither will be their party's nominee next year. DeSantis said criminals are in charge in California. A lot of these places in California, everything's under lock and key because they basically legalized retail theft. They have chosen in California to put the interests of the criminals over public safety. Newsom labeled DeSantis tough on crime rhetoric as nothing more than a ruse. The two also sparred on abortion politics, COVID policy, and public education. We're going to stand for the rights of parents. I think we need to do that nationwide. What you're doing is using education as a sword for your cultural purge. Newsom accused DeSantis of trying to out-Trump Trump, whom he trails by more than 40 points in his home state of Florida. There's been an outbreak of pediatric pneumonia in Ohio. Meg Oliver has more. In Warren County, north of Cincinnati, health officials have declared an outbreak of pneumonia in children. They say 145 kids have been diagnosed with the respiratory infection since August. The average age of these patients is eight years old. Doctors say this so-called white lung syndrome is very similar to the respiratory illnesses that are plaguing parts of China and Europe. Still to come on the Noon Report, another prison break in Pennsylvania. The Bills, Von Miller in big trouble, and New York politician gives the gift of life. Good afternoon, I'm Kevin Williams. A soggy story this afternoon and the weekend looking not much better. We'll have forecast details in 10. All right, umbrellas up as they say. Thank you, Kevin. News where you live next, and we'll begin in Harrisburg where a pay raise has just taken effect for Pennsylvania politicians. The 3.5% bump in salary makes PA the third highest paid legislative body in the country, trailing only California and New York. Governor Hochul says New York will invest more than $5 million into school-based mental health clinics. Statistics are so alarming. The number of young people contemplating suicide, the number of young people feeling depression. The numbers are astronomical, and as adults and also as leaders, we have an obligation to try to return these young people to some semblance of normalcy even three years after the impact of the global pandemic. Those funds will go to more than 130 school districts throughout the state. It's happened again another prison break in Pennsylvania. Where have we seen this movie before? A 34-year-old inmate at the Riverside Correctional Facility in Philadelphia broke free yesterday when he failed to return from a work detail. It is the third high-profile prison break this year in in the Commonwealth. New York lawmakers want oil companies to pay for the state's climate change plans. Family Life's Jeremy Miller. Yeah, the Climate Change Superfund Act would make big oil companies cover the cost of climate projects to the tune of $3 billion a year. Supporters say it would cut down on state spending on climate projects, which the New York Public Interest Research Group says is an estimated $2 billion a year in taxpayer dollars. Some projects are already underway and the bill has passed the Senate, but not the Assembly. The bill's 
sponsors say they want Governor Hochul to put it in her executive budget. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. The EPA wants to get the lead out of Pennsylvania. Dave Mauser with Penn Environment says it's about time. The threat of lead in drinking water is real and pervasive, and we have to do something about it. The Biden administration has launched an effort to remove all lead water pipes in this country within the next decade. There are more than 700,000 aging pipes in Pennsylvania alone that need to be dug up and replaced. Joyce Ravinskis is a registered nurse at UPMC. Drinking lead water is just as dangerous as lead paint or any other source of lead. A recent survey showed unsafe levels of lead in more than 90% of the schools across the Commonwealth. New York police have raided an illegal smoke shop in Canandaigua. J. Dega is what it's called. That shop was selling cannabis without a license. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product was taken from the store. Crime is so bad in Philadelphia these days that the city has enacted a ban on ski masks in public. City Council says ski masks create fear and anxiety. Those who violate the ski mask ban face a fine of $250. New York is one of the worst states in the country when it comes to human trafficking. Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz says there are things that the state can do, however, to lessen the prevalence of these crimes. We want to get justice for human trafficking survivors, and we want to do everything we can to hold the people who committed these heinous crimes accountable. He sponsored a bill that allows trafficking survivors to file lawsuits against their abusers. And I frankly can't imagine who would vote against this bill. Others argue efforts in New York to decriminalize prostitution will only make human trafficking worse. Sonia Osario is executive director of the National organization for women in New York. We really want to be known as the next Las Vegas, the sex trade capital of the world. That's what's going to happen. She's pushing against plans to make prostitution legal in the Empire State. Buffalo City Council has just approved a $43 million settlement with a woman who was left a quadriplegic after being struck by a police cruiser several years ago. Chelsea Ellis was walking down the sidewalk when the cop car hit her while responding to what turned out to be a bogus domestic violence call. Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry continues to be dogged by questions about his alleged role in the 2020 presidential election. There's new information suggesting he provided information to the Trump campaign in an effort to halt the certification process. John Jones is a professor at Dickinson College in Carlisle. The significance is that it shows, I think, how deeply the congressman was engaged in clear view. He was an active participant. He was engaged quite clearly in in an effort to question the validity of the of the election. Congressman Perry denies he played any role in trying to overturn the 2020 election results. A Clearfield County baseball coach has been sentenced to decades behind bars for child abuse. Former Kerwinsville PA coach Thomas Harzinski abused two boys at a hotel in Pittsburgh, a campground in Williamsport, and at his home. As part of his punishment, the ex-coach will be 
forever labeled a sex offender. Von Miller of the Buffalo Bills has been released on bond after being accused of felony assault. Police say the all-pro linebacker attacked his pregnant girlfriend in their apartment Wednesday morning in Dallas, Texas. Andy Payton with WGRZ-TV. According to the arrest warrant affidavit, it all started around 10.40 a.m. Wednesday when Miller and his girlfriend of seven years got into a fight over travel plans. The affidavit saying the fight escalated to the point where the former Super Bowl MVP placed pressure around her neck multiple times, pulled out a chunk of her hair, and caused her to fall to the ground all while she yelled, Stop, I'm pregnant. Buffalo's next game is December 10th against the Kansas City Chiefs. Onondaga County Sheriff Toby Shelley is calling for a football coach from a Buffalo high school to be charged with filing a false complaint. Bennett High School Steve McDuffie claims he was assaulted by a deputy during a game last Saturday in Syracuse. Sheriff Shelley says body camera footage says otherwise. And a New York assemblyman is donating his kidney to a Purple Heart veteran as his way of giving back to the country he loves. I give blood. Uh, I'm always tested for different things. They said, you matched. Let's do it. Republican Ari Brown has seven children and two grandchildren. He represents New York's 20th Assembly District on Long Island. As a God-fearing person, this is what we do. A good Christian, a good Jew, we give. When you have God on your side, you win. Brown is donating his kidney to a complete stranger. The GOP lawmaker says despite his giving this gift of life, he does not consider himself a hero. Hero status, notes Brown, is best left to the brave men and women who defend this country. What an amazing story. Friday Sports on the way next on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob with less than five minutes left in the game. Dak Prescott tossed a 12-yard touchdown pass to Jake Ferguson as the Cowboys beat the Seahawks 41-35. Prescott ended up with three touchdown passes and 299 yards, while his counterpart Geno Smith threw for 334 yards and also three scores. For only the fifth time in NFL history, neither team punted. But Dallas's defense got fourth down stops on Seattle's final three possessions. On to the NBA, Jalen Brunson lit up the Detroit Pistons to the tune of 42 points as the Knicks won their second straight 118 to 112. Julius Randle had 29 points and 10 boards. For Detroit, it's their 16th straight defeat. The Nets lost a tough one to Charlotte, 129 to 128. Elsewhere, your winners, Portland, Miami, Chicago, Minnesota, the Thunder, Hawks, and Warriors. On the ice, Buffalo fell behind 3-0 in the first period to the Blues, but the Sabres evened things up in the second. It was not to be, however, for Buffalo. St. Louis pulled away again, and they won it 6-4. The Flyers lost in overtime 4-3 to New Jersey, and the Islanders won their game in overtime on a Matthew Barzal goal 5-4 over Carolina. In Tampa, the Penguins goalie Tristan Jerry scored an empty netter and made 39 saves in Pittsburgh's come-from-behind win over the Lightning. 
Jeff Carter, Sidney Crosby, and Drew O'Connor, the other scores for the Pens. Jerry's goal marked the first time ever that a Penguins goalie had scored. The Bruins, Leafs, Panthers, Red Wings, Wild, Oilers, Flames, Coyotes, Knights, and Caps also picked up wins. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy. And still to come on the Noon Report for a Friday, a wet weekend on tap. Kevin Williams in four minutes. Capital Connection on the way. And at the end of the broadcast, mac and cheese without the cheese. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Since October the 7th, the world has seen a resurgence of anti-Semitism, open and raw. In America, this has come especially from institutions of higher education, though also from even secondary schools and a particularly troubling city council meeting in Oakland, California. In New York, high schoolers brandished signs that read, Keep the World Clean, with an image of a Star of David in a trash can. If anything, the past few weeks should finally put an end to our decades-old illusion. Looking back on the horrors of the Holocaust and the historic sickness of anti-Semitism, we ask questions like, how could anyone, let alone an entire culture, be overtaken by such Jew hatred? Many assume that that kind of evil could never happen again. We now know that assumption to be wrong. According to University of Massachusetts professor of criminology, Arlie Perliger, the U.S. is currently experiencing one of the most significant waves of anti-Semitism that it has ever seen. That wave, in fact, predates the October 7 massacre that initiated the war between Israel and Hamas. In 2022, quote, incidents of harassment rose 29 percent compared to 2021. Acts of vandalism surged 51 percent. Physical assaults jumped 26 percent to an average of 10 reported incidents every day. In the week after Hamas terrorists attacked Israeli civilians, anti-Semitic incidents tripled compared to the same week in 2022. This contemporary crisis is just the latest chapter in a hatred that goes back centuries, even millennia. Today, what's often called the world's oldest hatred is found at both ends of the political spectrum in the United States. Now, we certainly should not overlook the power of envy in leading to this, setting aside the irrational claims about Jewish wealth over the centuries. A simple glance at Nobel Prize winners displays the cultivating power of Jewish culture. Still, while envy might explain some of the insanity, there's more to it than just that. No other group has faced so many attempts at eradication by so many. Persians, Romans, Crusaders, Nazis, Islamists. How did the Jewish people survive when history is filled with tribes, nations, and peoples that endured for a time only to disappear, some with barely a trace of evidence that they'd ever existed? The Jews were already an ancient people by the time of ancient Rome, and yet, somehow, they remain while what was considered at the time to be an internal empire is now a relic of history. A Christian worldview offers additional resources by which we can understand such historical developments. Beyond just sociological and anthropological realities are unseen ones. Whatever one's views of the end times, the Jewish people embody the promises of God to redeem his world and destroy the works of the devil. They are a painful reminder to Satan that his spoiling efforts to mark God's good creation will inevitably fail in the end, and that he will be defeated. The Prince of Darkness can never win this fight with heaven, but in defiant desperation, he'll incite people to commit evil and inflict pain, especially on those through whom God works his redemption. The Jews are also a tangible reminder that humanity's story is not ultimately a tragedy. They are a link for us to the apostles and to the prophets, to King David and to the deliverance from bondage in Egypt. And even when rejecting the Messiah that fulfills God's promise to them, they're a reminder to the world that ultimately God wins. 
especially as we approach the season of Advent. The continued existence of the Jews is a powerful witness of God's faithfulness to his world and to his promises. These promises, given in Eden to our first parents and reaffirmed in Revelation to the saints, declare that he's making all things new and that nothing, even the insatiable hatred of hell itself, can stop his restoration of all things. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you very much. The weekend is here. Kevin Williams is near. Your forecast next. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. It's cloudy with rain. Temperatures holding nearly steady. Patchy fog as well. Spottier rain tonight and tomorrow, otherwise cloudy. Low tonight near 40. Highs tomorrow near 50. Sunday cloudy and rain returns during the day with high temperatures in the 40s and the lower 50s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. It's Friday, folks, the 1st of December, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. And welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are this week Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Dan Barkoyak at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Well, gentlemen, much to discuss this week. And Jason, I want to start with you. New York voters will be deciding a constitutional amendment in 2024 that would enshrine abortion rights into law. We all know what this really is about, getting Democrats to the polls in a presidential election. There are at least six House seats in play next year in New York, Jason. How do you think this strategy will play out in New York? Yeah, the jury's still out. I mean, I think when you look at other more life-affirming states where uh, this has been a hot issue on the ballot, it may not be as intense here because of the fact that New York already has so many laws that promote abortion here. So the Democrat base may not be as engaged on this issue as they are in other red or more life-affirming states. Can people see through this and see what it's really about? Or is this going to be something where just continuation of this narrative that abortion is health care in this country now? Yeah, I think you know the key to your question is, do people see what this is all about? I think it's how you phrase that or know what this is all about. Can they see through it? The reality is, the better question to ask is, do they care? I think we've gotten mm. to a point where we know that this is the taking of a baby's life. The ultrasound reveals that. It's whether or not we're going to do that which is right in our own eyes, though, is the question for the day in which we live. Yeah. Well, Dan, the Shapiro administration is going after pro-life pregnancy help centers in your state as well. Explain what the governor just did on Black Friday. Yeah, sadly, our, our governor really is making his mission to shut down pregnancy help centers. You know, he's taking funding away uh, from these centers, but now it's a new complaint website that's set up specifically targeting life of pregnancy centers. And to me, the complaint form should be for anyone that is involved with pregnancy. And, and we do have abortion facilities in our state that have been caught falsely advertising, routinely failing health inspections, yet our governor is frankly once again putting party politics and the profits of the abortion industry over the well-being of Pennsylvanians, specifically with this complaint form targeting pregnancy centers. Yeah, Jason, I'll follow up with that. You know, since the Roe v. Wade decision, the pro-choice movement is seven for seven in getting 
prohibiting abortion expansion efforts codified into state law. Uh, we've talked about this repeatedly, but it bears repeating. How can pro-lifers make the abortion issue a winning issue for them at the ballot box? Yeah, one of the takeaways from many of these ballot measures is I think that we are getting over the skis in some ways culturally. We do not have the culture with us in large ways on this issue. We don't even have all of the people in the churches with us on this issue. And so we have to get back to reestablishing what is life, where it comes from, why it's respected. And the reality for the believer is it's because we are created in the image of God and all people are inherently and intrinsically bearers of his image. That has to be conveyed to the culture. And if we don't have that, we're not going to get our politics correct. How did the pro-life movement re- package this issue, Dan, to make it a winning issue in 2024. Yeah, well, I'd add to what Jason's saying. You know, I see a problem with Republicans is really staying quiet on the issue. You know, Republicans really should be pointing out the extremes of the Democrat position. You know, there's those that support abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, paid for by taxpayers, and, and that's not what a majority want. And, and so uh, I think Republicans especially, too, should point to the great work of pregnancy centers, you know, the pregnancy help movement that uh, is there to help mothers and families um, when they're caring for a child. So hmm. uh, to some degree, I, I, I see more truth needing to be spoken up about abortion and not digging your head in the sand and, and saying less about it. Yeah. Let's talk about the marijuana issue. That was a big story this week, Jason. The New York State Cannabis Control Board has reached a settlement. Uh, this could open the floodgate to uh, the proliferation of pot in the Empire State. There are 24 states that legalize recreational marijuana. Be curious to know what you think about how uh, the business end of this has done in those states and why New York needs to proceed with caution here. Yeah, we opposed the uh, legalization of uh, recreational marijuana because we knew what it would do to our state. And I think we're on the verge of the next wave of that coming. And it's going to be very damaging. It's not just every time you get out of a car, you catch the whiff of the skunkweed, but it's more than that. Uh, It's the damage it's doing to young people in desensitizing them to drug use. It is the uh, effects that, that pot has on people who use it. It is a problem. And the business side of things, for the state to be promoting this as a legitimate industry is deeply problematic. Yeah. Oh, Dan, a marijuana amendment uh, was recently withdrawn from the PA House. I know that uh, uh, pleased you, but that does not mean the battle is over in your state either. Do you think politicians are having second thoughts about the value of legalized marijuana? Well, I'd love to think they're having second thoughts, and, and that's where listeners getting in touch with your state rep to voice those truths about marijuana. And uh, I think with this amendment that happened to your question, uh, it appears uh, it really just didn't fit in the House Democrat leadership's plan. So we expect some movement next year on this issue. And so certainly the concerns we have with legalizing, again, a high-potency drug that has addictive qualities, especially when it's used by young adults and youth, which happen increasingly in states that legalize. Gotcha. Well, I want to talk about hate speech. We've seen a lot of it on college campuses in light of the war that's ongoing in the Middle East. Jason, Governor Hochul touted what's calling a a literacy toolkit for kids, which would guard against misinformation as hate speech intensifies over this war. Literacy toolkits for kids. Does this raise any red flags at New Yorkers for constitutional freedoms? Yeah, I think it potentially does. I mean, you know, we always try to take the position that we are giving elected officials the benefit of the doubt. 
I think that they may be well-intentioned, but ultimately where do some of these things lead is the problem. Toolkits on hate speech and, and such all depend upon uh, who is defining what hate speech is and how it's applied in the greater culture. And that's where I just don't trust our current state government to be accurately defining what is hate speech. And it does lead me to concerns, but we'll be teaching kids and really propagandizing them in the future. Yeah. Uh, well, the U.S. Education Department, Dan, uh, recently launched an investigation into anti-Semitism at several schools nationwide. A couple of them are in your state, UPenn, Lafayette College. But I've often wondered, as we see this raging from coast to coast, this anti-Semitism, have never seen anything like this since the Nazis in World War II. What is it about the college campus atmosphere that seems to make them such a breeding ground for anti-Semitism? Oh, that's a great question. And higher education has certainly been inundated with a leftist viewpoint and absolutely has factored into a worldview that wants to, frankly, eliminate Israel and defend the terrorist actions of Hamas. So it's only adding to the concerns we should all have in the direction of higher education. Gotcha. Well, we got about a minute left to go, Jason. I wanted to get this in. Big story, uh, court ruling in favor of Governor Hochul's involuntary quarantine rule. Uh, this basically gives the state the power to isolate anyone against their will in an effort to combat contagious disease. Boy, I remember that during COVID. I thought we were past all this. Why was this the extension made by this court? Yeah, I think we have to be careful with this story because there really are two sides of it. There is uh, some legitimate concerns over the involuntary quarantine. But we also have to recognize the problem with this is the process here. This has not gone through the legislature. It has simply been done as a health regulation. The legislature has to set the law in the state. There's a separation of powers argument. And then there are legitimate concerns over due process, for example, or can children be separated from their parents? Uh, some of the applications of these regulations, these rules, that's where we see problems with what the governor is trying to do. Gotcha. Well, Dan, uh, this will be the last question today. Uh, starting today, December 1st, Pennsylvania politicians will be getting a 3.5% pay raise. That will make them the third highest paid legislative body in the country, only behind California and New York. Is this pay raise, in your opinion, warranted? Well, in my opinion, I'd say a, a raise in pay should be an indication of a job well done. And, and we have a state budget that's left unfinished five months overdue. And it's frankly causing people to lose their job. Hmm. Uh, the pay raise, I think, is a reminder that we have a full-time legislature. And, and so it presents a whole host of problems. But I guess I'd, I'd leave you with saying, you know, with a full-time legislature, it's full of people who, as, as God commands, deserve our prayers. And, and as much as I challenge Governor Shapiro, and uh, I hope others do as well, I'll be praying for him and his family this Christmas season. Gotcha. So instead of a pay raise, maybe a prayer raise in, in Harrisburg for our politicians. And you raise a great point. Keep praying for our elected leaders all the time. Uh, Jason, so many places we've been this week. If folks want to know more about the good work going on at New Yorkers, where can they find you online? OpenTheUpdate.com. And stay informed on all the issues in Pennsylvania as well. The Pennsylvania Family Institute. Where are you, Dan? PAFamily.org. 
and they get it done every Friday on the Noon Report. Capital Connection. You can also catch the program online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. An area of low pressure delivering rain today will depart tonight, but low-level moisture will mean more cloud cover right through the weekend with some spotty rain. And the next weather maker arrives later Sunday, Sunday night with more rain, possibly ending as a snow-wintry mix late Sunday night or Monday. For this afternoon, it's cloudy with rain. Temperatures holding nearly steady, patchy fog as well. Spottier rain tonight and tomorrow, otherwise cloudy. Low tonight near 40, highs tomorrow near 50. Sunday, cloudy, and rain returns during the day with high temperatures in the 40s and the lower 50s. All right, Kevin, thank you. And finally at noon, for the first time ever, a household staple is about to get a makeover. The blue box is unmistakable, and for many of us, it was a part of our childhood or maybe part of our menus today. I'm talking about Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, and now it will be available dairy-free. Kraft is releasing a new plant-based version of the boxed favorite that contains a dairy-free alternative to its signature cheese. The vegan cheese sauce is made with fava bean protein and coconut oil powder. It's called Kraft Not Mac and Cheese, and will soon roll out on grocery store shelves in two flavors, original and white cheddar with shells. The company is joining a growing trend. According to research firm NIQ, plant-based product sales surged 19% last year to $11 billion. Kraft is hoping the new options leave consumers with the same big smile seen on its signature blue box. Brian Query, Family Life News. I don't know, Brian. Mac and cheese without the cheese sounds kind of risky to me. And that's the world, folks. We live in Friday, the first day of December. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.